Coffee's up. Let me draw your conversations to a close. There'll be plenty of time to catch up and talk about the wedding dress later. It's all right. It's interesting, isn't it, the thing about wedding dresses? It's like, if someone asked me what wedding dress Lathea was wearing, I'd say it's white. <laughs> but that's not enough detail, is it? That's not enough detail for people. Um, which is why, we, fortunately, we have cameras now. We can always take pictures and show people. Um, we've, we've been conducting a series over the last few weeks looking at how important praying together is as, as a church, or corporate prayer, we've been calling it. Um, and this idea of praying together is such a significant thing. And I want to look at another aspect of this praying together today that is really significant. And I want to look at the fact that corporate prayer... And also bringing others to Jesus, what I term eviction and reoccupation, if you want to say those words, <laughs> is, um, involves us with God in reclaiming what is rightfully his. So corporate prayer and bringing others to Jesus involves us, you and me, in claiming and reclaiming what is rightfully God's for him. He involves us in that process through prayer and through bringing others to know Jesus. The verse we're looking at today is in John chapter 10, verse 10. If you've got a Bible, you might want to just look at that verse. It's very it's on the screen behind me. But this is what Jesus, these are the words of Jesus speaking to his followers. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, that's Jesus, Jesus speaking, remember, that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, I have the privilege of having some great nieces and nephews, both in the descriptive sense, but also in the relational sense. Um, and um, on the whole, they're similar ages. They play really well together. They're fantastic. It's great. They, you know, they, they live quite close, and they can get, see each other quite regularly. They play together wonderfully. That is until one of them snatches a toy from the other. And then, literally all hell breaks loose. There is ranting and shouting and screaming and all sorts of stuff. And the cry that goes out, if you've got children, you may know this. If you've ever looked after children, you may know this, is, that's mine. Yeah? You familiar? That's mine. There's a strong sense of indignation, isn't there? The thief <laughs> comes to rob, <laughs> steal, and destroy. And often what happens is if that's a younger child, they will destroy that toy very quickly. Um, just to spite them. I don't know what goes on in their heads. It's just amazing. Or imagine you've been on holiday. You've had a wonderful holiday with your family or your own. You come back to your flat. You come back and you find that someone else is living in your house. Or your flat. Not only that, but they've changed the locks, they've boarded up the windows, and they are now occupying your space, your house. What's the cry that goes out? That's mine! There's a strong sense of indignation, isn't there? That's mine! The thief comes to destroy and steal. They only come to do that. 
Can you imagine that sense of frustration? Can you imagine that sense of indignation as something that's yours has been taken from you and is now belonging to someone else? Well, that's how God feels about his world. God feels the same indignation about what the devil, and we believe in the devil and the enemies, has taken and occupied, which is God's own presence. God wants his stuff back. And when we join together in prayer, what we're doing is we're saying with God, that is God's. Joining with saying, God, this is yours. As God says, this is mine. And when we pray, we're praying this sense of indignation, but we're also praying out of a sense of real authority and truth. We must never forget that the world is God's. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But yet the Bible also teaches us that something has been stolen, something has been taken by the enemy, it says, the devil and the forces of evil that are under the devil. It is like the earth is the house that the Lord has owns and it's been broken into. And the devil is now exercising squatters' rights. In 1 John 5 verse 19, it says, The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, Paul writes this. He says that about people, but generally, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And Paul again writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. The heavens and the earth, all of creation basically, including you and me, belong to God. We belong to God. God created it. God breathed life into mankind, he says, right at the beginning of the Bible. That's what we see. God gives us life. We are gods from the beginning. And yet, the thief, the devil, has come into what is God's to steal, kill, and destroy what does not belong to him. And God wants his stuff back. So when we pray together, we're engaging in this process. We're stating that this is God's world, that God is going to reclaim it, and that we're going to be set free again to worship and know God. The, the, the devil will be evicted from where he now occupies what is God's. The devil and the force, his forces will be evicted. So it's important that when we, come, when we do this, we engage in the right process. Yeah, we need to appeal to the right authority, don't we? So like, um, <clears throat> like I mentioned with, with my great nieces and nephews, I noticed the other week when we were together and the same instance happened. Something was taken. And um, rather than scream and shout, this... this one of them came up, sidled up to me like this, like they do, looking very cute. And, um, and she just came up to me and said, say share. <laughs> now, what happened there? She knew there was a greater authority who could get her stuff back without ranting and raving and shouting and ending up in tears. 
she'd learned that adults have a lot of authority when it comes back to getting your stuff back. And she also knew appealing to their system of getting this just back, say share, they learn. You know, that's what adults talk about. They say it's good to share. If I say that, and if I go to the person who can do that, I'm going to get my stuff back. They appeal to the right authority. They learn that to get my stuff back well, I go to an adult. They have the authority. And I'll appeal to what they tell me to do. Say share. Because that works every time. So they appeal to the right authority. And it's the same in the eviction notice if your house has been occupied. You could get all ranty and ravey and physical, but it's not going to help if the doors are boarded and the windows are boarded. But there's a right authority, isn't there? There's a right process to go through. You appeal to the authority of the land. And the process of eviction starts with an eviction notice. And what that states is that this house belongs to this person. You have no right to be there. Therefore, at some point, when we apply this process in the right way, it means you will leave and you will have to go. And the person whose house it is will claim it back and, be, and we'll be able to get back in there. And so as Christians, we're to lead one another in a process, a form of action, one that's informed by the Bible, that lays out God's claim to the earth. That's where we understand that everything was made by God. We appeal to the authority of Scripture. And we, it also the process that he's gone through to reclaim what is rightfully his. We appeal to Jesus and his authority, his blood. In our verse we looked at today, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus has come to completely reverse what the devil has done. What he did on the cross deleted and nullified the activity of Satan and sin over our lives. It's like an eviction notice. It's been issued. Jesus' blood has been shed. The notice has been given that God is coming to claim back his stuff. And nothing is going to stand in the way because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God himself. And he's come in all authority. After the healing of a lame man in Acts chapter 3, so the start of the early church, Peter, who's one of Jesus' followers, says this to the people who are amazed that this lame man is now walking. He says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or righteousness, our goodness, we've made him walk. No, he says, no, it's Jesus who's done it. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus says this. He says to his followers, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. That's a strange sentence because we know that we all face challenges and we all face difficulties. And we can all face things that hurt us. But Jesus says, no, I've given you authority to deal with the forces that are occupying God's world. I've given you authority through appealing to me and to prayer that will enable you to engage with God in taking his stuff back and reclaiming what is God's. The apostles, the first followers of Jesus, they understood their authority came from Jesus and that he, the authority that he has. So when we pray, we appeal to this authority. 
We don't come in our own authority and say, we want God's stuff back. We appeal to Jesus and who he is. And my little niece came up to me and said, you, you can do it because you've got the authority. We come to Jesus because he's got the authority. Mike Betts in his book, Prayers of Many, which is the book that we've been going through, the video series we've been following, says this. He says, prayer engages with the process of taking back and reclaiming for the Lord what is rightfully his. Corporate prayer is like serving a legally enforceable notice to vacate or quit. The Bible is an authoritative document that has legal standing over such affairs. Whenever one of God's promises or principles is stated in prayer, it is like serving a weighty document of eviction. So when we pray the promises of God, when we pray the truth of the Bible, when we quote scripture in our prayers, when we pray out of understanding what the Bible says, we are praying with real authority because that's where authority lies. Prayer engages with the one who is the rightful owner and the one who has all authority and power to do something about it. Jesus tells us, he says, he tells his disciples just before he's taken up into heaven after his resurrection, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And Jesus teaches us to pray, doesn't he, in the Bible? He says, this is how you pray. Our Father starts with a corporate sense of we understand who God is. He's our Father. We're adopted in his family. We've got a parent who has all authority now. Our Father in heaven. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying. We're praying that that these forces of evil will be evicted. That the devil and his minions who've occupied God's home and God's space and God's creation, they're now on notice because all authority has been given to Jesus. And we're praying that Jesus' kingdom will come into people's lives. When we're praying like this, we pray, establish your rules and pattern of life in the areas where Satan and evil spiritual forces have taken up occupation. When we pray in the authority of Scripture, we're stating that the eviction notice has been put into action. We're saying Jesus has shed his blood. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus is on the march. When we pray, we're reminding those that occupy what is rightfully God's that it really does belong to God and that they are on notice to quit. So when we pray, we appeal to Scripture because this is God's world. So it's important that we're reading our Bibles. It's important that we come when we pray together, we can bring scriptures to one another and we can pray with real authority understanding what God's word says so I really encourage you when we pray together whether it's in your community groups whether it's when we pray together on Sunday afternoons as, as, as our prayer meetings is to be encouraged to bring pieces of scripture or to pray out pieces of scripture that you feel God is really speaking to you through because there are promises of God in those words and these promises these words are like serving as he said a weighty tomb of eviction notice. All the legal authority is wrapped up in the prayers that we pray. Mike Betts again says this. He says, we do not need vast vocabulary. We just simply need to know whose house it is. And that the rightful owner has, with all lawful authority, restaked his claim. Then serve the eviction notion to the squatters who've made themselves far too comfortable for far too long. So we appeal to Scripture. We pray out of Scripture when we pray together. 
Because that's the authority, that's the promises that God has made, that this is his world. And he has taken the step through Jesus of reclaiming it, and reclaiming your life and my life. But often, I think, one of the difficulties in maintaining prayer, and particularly corporate prayer, praying together, is we often don't see immediate results, do we? We don't see that. So we need to trust in the process. Those, the, the devil and, and, and his, his forces that occupy God's world, they're not going to give up without a fight. So we don't give up praying together. The, league, the eviction notice has been served. Jesus has died. His blood has been shed. The forgiveness of sins is there for everyone. For all those that believe in Jesus will come into his kingdom when he comes again, when the devil is finally spilled out, when Jesus comes in victory again. We're in that period of eviction notice. Jesus is coming. The enemy will not stand against it when Jesus comes again. He will be forced to go. But we're still in that little bit of period where now they're resisting. Yeah, we're behind the locked doors. You can't touch us. But... So we need to continue to meet together and pray together. Do not give up. We need to trust the process that God's put in place. This process of praying together. This process of bringing people to Jesus. There's a strange story in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament. Daniel is being captured by Babylon along with a lot of his people, God's people. They're living in Babylon in exile. They've been been thrown out of their land. uh, And they're praying They've been praying to God because God has made a promise that in 70 years they'll get back into the land. And so Daniel's been praying and nothing's been happening. And then something, something happens in Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 to 14. <clears throat> While Daniel's praying, someone touches him on the shoulder, hand reached out and touched him. And Daniel stood up and then this person says to him, he says, he said to me, this is Daniel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. That's talking about a battle between angels from God and some forces of the devil. The kings of the, the, the <coughs> what did he say? Is, um, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. It's talking about that, the, the authority, the, 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 the evil authority that's ruling that nation at the moment. And he was in battle. This, this angel was in battle with this, with this authority. This, um, authority in, in Persia. He was, he was battling it. So he was, he was restrained from reaching Daniel and when Daniel started praying. But he said, I have come. I got help and I've come to you. And now, this is, this is what I'm going to do. So that's just, I think it's just an illustration of the fact that, yes, our prayers, our words are heard. When we pray, they're heard. But there's, there's, Things that are going on that we're not necessarily aware of. The forces of, of the devil are 
they're not going to give up without a fight. They're not going to leave without a fight. But they will leave. God is victorious. God is victorious already in Jesus. That's what we believe. That's what we're stating. So we just trust the process. It can get messy. And it can take a long time. I don't know if any of you have ever had to go through that process of eviction. It can be really messy. It's hard. It can take a long time. But you've still got to trust the process. You've still got to trust the right thing. You've still got to keep appealing to the right authority because they're the ones with the authority. They're the ones with the power to do it. It can get messy and it can take a long time. But trust the process. Trust the, the idea. Don't give up praying together. Don't give up meeting together. Paul writes to the church. We just heard a wonderful story of uh, an incident in Turkey. So you remember over a month ago, the earthquake in Turkey, uh, and we were gathering to pray, weren't we? We were gathering to pray for it, and we were praying that God would save people, that those and, and the rubble would be saved. Um, and, we, and the news kept coming, didn't it? More bodies being found, more bodies being found. And we just had to keep on praying. And then we had a, a message from someone who's been out there um, a week or so ago, saying there's this remarkable story of a woman who was insisting that the rescuers dig in a certain spot because she was convinced her sons were down there and they were alive. And normally they don't, they wouldn't allocate the resources if there's no sign, there's no sign of life, no, no noises they could hear. Um, but the woman, this woman kept insisting, no, my sons are down there, dig, dig. So they did, and they dug, and they found two boys in this spot. And the, and the rescuer said, we found you, you know, because your mother was so insistent that we keep looking for you. And the two boys turned around and said to the rescuers, he said, well, that's really impossible because our mother died five years ago. Now, when we pray, those boys weren't found immediately, but God had sent an angel, I believe, um, and that angel taken a while the boys were still buried under the rubble but they've been found the process can be messy it can take a while but we've got to trust in the process we've got to continue to meet together and pray and that comes almost to the second part so we've issued the eviction notice and we know that the enemy cannot stand against Jesus' authority. But there's also something else that needs to be done, I think, and that is we need to build faith into people's lives. Jesus tells a story um, <clears throat> to his disciples in, the, in the, the Gospel of Matthew. Remember we're saying, Jesus he says, come, I've come, for you have life and life abundantly. So it's no good just getting rid of the, the occupying forces Something needs to happen, and that space needs to be filled. It needs to be filled with faith in Jesus. This is what Jesus talks about, what happens if faith is not built into people's lives once those that have occupied God's space have been driven out. Matthew chapter 12, he says this, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it founds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. 
Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. You know, once you, you, you've got people out of your house, you need to get in there, don't you? You need to get back in. And you need to start repairing all the damage that's been done. All the things that have been done while it's been occupied by someone else. The thief that's destroyed it, the thief that's come to steal it. You've got it back, you now need to repair it. And the same things happen. It's no good, we're just saying, we're praying that the enemy will go. And we pray that God has already announced that you should go. You have no authority, you will go. But then what happens is, Jesus needs to come and fill that space. That's what he's talking about. So it's no good just getting rid of the influence over people. We need to bring Jesus into people's lives. Jesus needs to come and occupy the space that's his, that's his own. You know, that's what it is, isn't it? The world is God's and everything in it. Jesus is God. Jesus wants to come and reclaim what is his. God wants his stuff back. And we join in that process through praying together, through reminding each other of who Jesus is. And it's not a passive thing. You know, we talked about quoting scripture, but also there's something about our actions and our stance and our posture. Mike Betts writes this in his book. He says, there is something about our posture and manner when we pray that should indicate the seriousness and commitment to the truth of what we're praying. We're, to be pa- we're not to be passive when we pray together. We're to engage with the process. We're to engage with praying. We're to engage with bringing people to Jesus. I've often been, if the band want to come up, we're going to continue in worship in a moment. But um, I've been in prayer meetings with other leaders. And you think, wow, that would be a great place to be. But sometimes it's just been really flat. But someone's got up to pray. And something about their voice and their actions. It might be that they start stamping or they might pointing. Maybe you've been in that same instance. They're not doing it out of the thing, this is the way to do it. But they're thinking because they understand the seriousness. They understand the truth. They understand that the enemy has been given his eviction notice. There's something about the posture that emphasizes the seriousness of what we're praying. So we need to be engaged. We need to be involved in this process. I think we need to be more in need of this insistent urgency of prayer. So when we pray together, come with that expectation. When we pray together, if someone else is praying out, listen to what they're praying. Join with them in assent. You know, a few amens and hallelujahs is not going to go amiss. It's not. I'd rather have more. As we sense, the amen means, yes, I agree. <laughs> amen means I agree with God. I agree what this person's praying. Hallelujah means praise God because you claim the victory. Hallelujah means, yes, I believe, Jesus, you've won the victory over death, over sin. It means, yes, Jesus, you are here to claim back what is God's. So let's not be passive. Let's engage with, with the Bible. Let's engage with the truth of God's world and that he wants it back. 
Let's engage with one another as we pray together and encourage one another. Let's take these steps of action. Let's have this posture of we want God's stuff back. God has said, this is mine. I'm here to get it back. And we want to say, God, this is yours. We want to see you get it back. Let's just stand together. We're going to worship, which is a declaration of who God is, of his goodness, of his power, his majesty. We don't come in power and might ourselves. We don't come with a super spiritual aspect of a a super spiritual prayer warrior or a special use of words or a language. But we come together by the power of the Holy Spirit who takes our mustard seed of faith, our mustard seed of faith in Jesus, the fact that we believe who he is. And our faltering words and our stuttering when we pray and oh I'm not really sure what to pray I'm not sure if God hears me the Holy Spirit takes that the little faith we have the words that we talk about and he breathes life and fruitfulness into them what a joy this is takes the pressure of us to perform we just join together in prayer and it puts in us a renewed intention to pray together and tell others about Jesus. So Heavenly Father, we want to be committed to you again. Would you restore in us, Lord, faith in who you are? Would you restore in us trust in your word? When things are not as we would like them to be, when we look around the world and we see the state it's in, when you fill our hearts with the same indignation that you have against injustice and oppression and personal circumstances where people are trapped Lord would you come and remind us that you have a process in place a process of praying together of stating who who you are of stating your victory of declaring the truth of God the truth that this is your world and that you have come to claim it back. The truth that we are yours and you've come to bring life to us, life in its fullness. So come Holy Spirit, refresh us, empower us, strengthen us, Lord, comfort us where we've maybe gone away from you. Just come Holy Spirit.